Amen, amen. So 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we're going to begin back in verse number 8. One of the things that we're looking here is this, this thought of the Word of God being active in our lives. And how many of you know that, that it is, we, we sang this song earlier, Change My Heart, O God. And it's one of those things that each and every person has to come to that realization that it's, it is God and God alone that produces change in us. It, 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 we can try to ride our bicycle harder and faster, but it, when it comes to the things of the spirit, guess what? It's gotta be of God. It's got to be of God that we are saved. It's got to be of God that we're delivered, that we're healed, that we're set free, that we're walking in victory. It's got to be of God that we come out of the darkness and into the light, that the chains of bondage are broken off of us. It's got to be of God that the curses and the afflictions are dropped and that we walk in the grace and the mercy of God. Amen? It's got to be of God. Otherwise, we wouldn't need what Jesus did for us. And so we see and recognize it's a work of the Spirit. And one of the things that Paul's getting here at in verse number 8 is he's getting down to the essentials of his, of his gospel, and then he says something that I want to I want to spring off of. It says in verse number 8, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Now, one of the things that I want you to see is that the word of God can never be bound. The word of God will accomplish each and everything that God sends it out to accomplish. Are you with me? However, whenever, even in the first advent of the Lord Jesus, whenever he walked on this earth, when God Almighty walked on earth, incarnate in flesh, he walked into his hometown of Nazareth, and it says that he could do no major miracles there. He could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now you have the creator of the universe incarnated in flesh walking in this city and he could have done anything. He could have raised the dead. He could have set the captive free. He could have opened blind eyes. He could have done many major things. With God, all things are possible. He could have done any number of things, but you know what? He couldn't. He couldn't because they didn't believe. It says because they didn't believe. Because of their unbelief, they limited the work of God in their life. They didn't limit God. They limited the work of God in their life. That's a big difference. And see, I want you to see something here is that Paul is saying he's bound. And you know, sometimes we have afflictions in life. Sometimes your affliction can be, you know, your job, it could be a health issue, it could be a, a spiritual battle, it could be, you know, somebody in your home, it, it, any number of things. You, we, we have things all over the place, but, and so we can be bound by different situations, but what I want you to see is Paul didn't let that limit his faith. He said, even though I'm in a bad situation, I know the word of God is not bound. In other words, he expressed complete and full, total confidence in God, in his word, in the authority of the spirit of God, and that God could do exceedingly abundantly all more than he could ask or think. He knew God could do it. He knew it wasn't up to him. He said, even though I'm bound, even though I'm afflicted, even though I'm suffering right now, and as I know y'all don't know what that's like. 
Even though I'm suffering right now, I'm going through a hardship right now, I know, I know this, the Word of God's not bound. The Word of God's not bound. If I'm coming out of this, it's going to be because God's going to get me out of this. If I'm going to get to the other side of this thing, it's going to be because God gets me to the other side. Amen? And that was one of the things that the people of Nazareth didn't have. They didn't have that faith mixed with the Word of God. They didn't have the trust in God. And you know what? You can know about God. You can know a lot of things about God, and you can be one of the sons of Sceva. You know, they knew the formula. They knew the formula to pray. They said, in the name of, of, of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we command you to come out. And those demons looked at the sons of Sceva, and they said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? In other words, you, you can get religion down. You can know the right words. I can, you know, if I say this, you can say that. And if I do this, you can do that. But the, what it boils down to is knowing God. Knowing God. Communion with God. You see, you, you, you cannot substitute working for God or knowing about God with communion with God. See, communion with God is one of those things where you've got to set self down. You, you, you can go ride the hamster wheel for Jesus. You can go work all you want to work. But if you're not communing with Jesus, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. You have to believe. And now one of the things I want you to see right here, I want you to see something. Paul's in prison. He's in prison not because of anything he did wrong, but because of what he did right. I said earlier, America, if you stand for what's right, you might be facing that same situation soon. Might be coming home to you. And, and sometimes if you do what's right, you might suffer. Do what's right anyways. That's what courage is all about. Courage is doing the right thing, no matter the consequence. Ask Daniel, ask Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ask Ruth, ask Esther, ask Joseph. All the great men and women of God had to take courage and take a stand for what was right, no matter the consequence. Now, let me, let me share this with you. Paul here didn't do anything wrong, but he was suffering a consequence for what he did right. But he did not allow that setback to set him back spiritually. He was beaten many times. He was stoned and left for dead. And at some point, discouragement might knock on your door. I mean, it's one thing to get a thumbs down on Facebook for something that you preach. It's another thing for people to hurl rocks at you and to try to kill you. And to imprison you and beat you and maim you and mock you. And they did all these things to Paul. But what I want you to see is that no matter how hard the setback was, it didn't set him back spiritually. How do you get to that point? How do you get to that point? You let God fight the battle for you. You let God go before you. You let the angel of the, of, of the Lord's army encamp around you. You let the Spirit of God surround you and fill you and strengthen you and remind you of God's precious and great promises in, in, in all of the ups and the downs and all of the forwards and backwards. God's the same. 
We go through the ebbs and flows, but God don't change. He's constant. He's the same. And he's calling you to come out of that place of, 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 of correlating your circumstance with God's favor. To know that even if you suffer affliction, even if you suffer a hard time, even if you go through this, that, or the other, God's the same. It, you might be in a situation where you're in a bind, but God's not bound. You know, and, the, and, and one thing I want you to get before we move on is that the devil wants you to think that if you're bound, God's bound. In other words, God can't reach you where you're at. The devil wants you to think that you're so far stuck, you're so far down, you've made a mess of the situation, you, there's no undoing it. It's like whenever you get a kid in the kitchen and there's a mess everywhere, and it looks like it's never going to get clean, and then a, a parent comes in and just wipes it out. Amen? Just wipes it out. And, and you know, that's how God is. We, we get in a situation and the devil comes and he whispers those sweet nothings that kill us in our ears and tell us we've messed up, we've blown it, we're stuck, we're in a bind, we're bound, we've missed it. God can't reach us where we're at. We're just stuck and we're going to have to deal with it till we go home. We're just stuck right there and we're going to have to deal with it, limp the rest of our life. We're going to have to be bound by these fetters the rest of our life. And that is a lie from hell. That is a lie from hell. I want you to know, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And God has come to set his children free. If he sets the captive free, he sets the captive free. And if you've ever been bound, you're a captive. And if you're a captive, you're a candidate to be set free. But you have to believe God. You can't be like one of those people in Nazareth that, that when Jesus came by, they didn't, they didn't believe. Jesus could not do those great things there because of their unbelief. I want you to catch that. It, it, it was not that Jesus couldn't do the miracles. It was because they didn't believe, so they couldn't receive. How many times in our lives have we exempted ourselves from a touch from God? How many times have we exempted ourselves from a move of God? How many times in our lives have we remained in a place God didn't intend for us to remain? I mean, he came there to Nazareth to touch, to deliver, to set free, to raise from the dead, to break off those old things and to make all things new in people's lives. But because of their unbelief, he didn't. They, they, they looked at their situation and they couldn't see they couldn't see. Now, I want you to see this. He said that the word of God is not bound, right? The word of God is not bound. I, can I ask you this question? Are you binding the word of God? Are you doubting God's ability to do something great in your life? Well, you don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. You know, I love the story of Smith Wigglesworth, the, 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 the plumber over in England. He got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in his 50s. And he went from there to preach all over the world, leading mighty and great crusades. What, what, is significant, what is significant about that? What strikes my heart about that story? Because he was in his 50s. He didn't let all of his 40s hold him back from being all that God called him to be. 
You see, many of us have said, well, I've missed it. I'm too far gone. I've, I've missed God. I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just an old has-been. I, I, I'm stuck in these ruts. I've entangled myself in sin. I've gotten myself in, in a situation that, that, you know, nobody could expect me to get out of this thing. And no, I'm just doing good just to be a church. I'm doing good just to, you know, attend Sunday school. I'm doing good just to put a $20 bill in the offering plate. Leave me alone and let me go. Well, that's where the devil wants you to stay. He wants you to stay close, but not changed. He wants you to stay close, but not changed. Come on now. It, 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 that's the thing. He wants you to, to be ever so close. Look, look at all these people in Nazareth. They were close to Jesus, but they weren't changed by Jesus because they didn't believe his word. They didn't believe his word. Well, one of the things that we said earlier is that, um, that, that God is, it's a, it's a work of faith that we need. It's a work of faith that we need. And, um, turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter four. Let me show you this. Hebrews chapter four. And we're going to go over to verse number one. Hallelujah. Now, w- one of the things that you see here is that faith is a necessary ingredient in order for us to be who God's called us to be. You can't expect God to move in your life if you don't have faith for God to move in your life. Well, what is faith? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, which we'll read in a little bit, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It, it, it is, it is in reality, it is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, it's when you know that God can do something and you hope that He does it for you. And you believe that unseen thing. Faith holds on to what God has said. Faith believes that if God said it for one, He'll say it for you. God, God said it, I believe it. That's how faith goes. Faith does not originate with us. Faith is not us imagining things in our head. Faith originates with God. Amen? It originates with God. Faith uh, cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and not by the hearing of pastor. Faith cometh by hearing and not by the hearing of pastor. Faith cometh by hearing and not by the hearing of worship music. God never called us to go lead a worship concert on City Hall. He called us to preach the gospel and make disciples unto the ends of the earth. That's what he called us to do. Now, wherever we go, we're going to worship. We're going to leave our trail everywhere we go. But our, our calling is to preach the gospel and make disciples, baptizing them, right? Teaching them. And here, I want you to see something. I want you to see something so beautiful. So beautiful. In, in, in verse number one, Hebrews chapter four, verse number one, it says, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. See, there's a promise. There's a promise for you. And, and you need to get to that point where you realize there's promises in the word of God for you. I can promise you lots of things. Somebody else can promise you lots of things. But you've got to get to the point where you realize there's promises of God for you. You've got to realize that there's promises of God that that you will exempt yourself from if you don't enter into this place of rest that we're about to read. God is not going to force us 
to be delivered. He's not going to force us to, to be set free. He's not going to force us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's not going to force us to walk in victory. He offers it to us. It's a promise. It's a promise that he offers. He says, here it is. Here it is. Jesus, whenever he looked at the disciples in Acts chapter 1, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Here's the promise. Go do it. How many of you know that God's full intent was that they get empowered by the Holy Spirit? What if they would have went home, though? Because everybody's got grass to cut. Everybody's got dinner to make. Everybody's got issues to handle. But what? They went. They left home. They, they, they didn't go anywhere else. They didn't go to the movies. They didn't go to the skating rink. They didn't go to City Hall. They didn't go anywhere else. They went to Jerusalem and they tarried before God together. They had a prayer meeting. They sought God and God moved. God came down in tongues of fire, set on their head, and empowered them to be who he called them to be. But if they would have exempted themselves... They wouldn't have stopped God. They would have stopped themselves from receiving what God had for them. That's what I want you to see. It's not that God's word is bound, but we bind ourselves from receiving it when we doubt God, when we don't believe what he said, when we don't obey what he said, when we don't follow where he's called us to go, when we don't do what he told us to do. We exempt ourselves or we cut ourselves off from that, from that communion with God. Now, there was a promise right there for, for those disciples. And there's promises all through the Bible for us disciples. There's, there's promises over here and promises over here. There's promises in the Word of God. But you cannot expect to receive those promises from God if you don't follow Him. If you don't follow him, God's not up for suggestions on how to run the church. Well, you know, I'll just do it my way. You can do it your way. That's the national anthem to hell. I did it my way. National anthem of hell. You can do it your way, but that's not God's way. God is, God is not open. You know, heaven's not a democracy, by the way. Yeah, it's not. It, there's a king. There's a king and all the subjects. Yes. It's not a democracy. God doesn't take a vote. God says. He speaks. It's done. It's settled. You, you have it or you don't. And for all of us, he wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to walk in complete peace. He wants you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to walk with him. He wants to commune with you. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. He invites you to come to that secret place. He calls you out into the deep. Deep cries out to deep. He calls you in the still of the night. He says, He says, Samuel, Samuel. He calls out in the still small voice to Elijah. 
It wasn't in the wind or the fire or the earthquake, but it was in that still, small voice. Why? Because God wants to know you. It's an intimacy that God desires in you. He's after your heart. He could make you walk on your head. He could make you, he could make you walk backwards the rest of your life. He could do anything he wants to do with you. He's the creator. He made you. He designed you. He's capable of doing anything to you. He's made kings get down on their knees and eat straw and eat grass until they until they learn their lesson he could do anything he wants to do but he invites you to know him he invites you to come into the secret place he invites you to come and partake of who he is and and so that he can pour his spirit in in you and know you and have communion with you that's what he desires he could do it any way he wants to do it but he invites he invites. He calls. And see, there's this, this promise, this promise of rest available for you. What kind of rest? Like Sunday afternoon after church rest? No. Like pastor preaching two hours rest? No. And no nap like when pastor hits that two-hour mark, right? It, 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 and so what kind of rest is he talking about? The rest from wearying yourself from fighting your own battles. That's the rest. The, the, the rest from, from trying to work the things out yourself. You know, you know how people do. When you try to work things out yourself, you try to promote yourself, you manipulate situations, you go talk to this one, you go talk to this one, you put a little oil on that wheel, you go over here and you do this, you work that, you do this, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just doing stuff. You don't even know what you're doing. Because you're not at rest in God. Because you don't have the peace of God on your life. You're not content with Jesus. You're not, you're, not where, you're not where God wants you to be. And until we get into this place where we, where we come and we rest in His precious promise, we'll never find contentment in this life. Contentment is only found in the place where, where Mary found it. You, you, you may not remember that story, but Mary and Martha, they were two sisters, and, and one of them found rest at the feet of Jesus. The other one found work in the kitchen for Jesus. You can work for Jesus and not find contentment, or you can sit at his feet and be with the one whom you love. And he said Mary had chosen the good part. See, the, 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 the person who's not right with God and not ready to commune with God and not ready to let, because, you know, if you commune with God, you got to let ungodly stuff go. You're not going to walk up into the, into the court of glory with your sin and all this. You're not going to change me. So if we, if we commune with God and we come into the secret place with God, we're going to have to come with beggar's hands and we're going to have to allow him to remove whatever is not right in our lives and change whatever needs to be changed and reorganize whatever needs to be reorganized and create whatever needs to be created and, and let go of whatever needs to get let go of. And, and, and every person that comes into the court of glory has to come with beggar's hands like that and say, put in or take out whatever you need. Here I am. Here I am. And, and, and that's... That is not a one-time event. If you're going to live and walk and operate in the presence and the promises of God, you're going to have to come to God all the time and, and with a heart of surrender and say, Lord, here I am. 
here I am. I love you. I love you. I desire you to change me. I desire you to move upon my life. I desire you to do a new thing. And you know what? There were many times, many times in the word of God when people had to get correction. One of the times in particular I'm thinking of is whenever uh, Peter, whenever Peter was, was uh, with Paul, and they were, they, in, in the book of Galatians, it records this in chapter number 2. But Peter was there and he was dealing with the Gentiles and he began to eat like the Gentiles and carry on with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came around, he began to dress differently, act differently, eat differently, do all this stuff differently. And Paul contended him to his face and he, he realized he was not operating the way he was supposed to operate. He wasn't coming to God the way he was supposed to come to God. And you know what? He received that correction. And that's what God does. He just corrects us because he loves us and he wants to guide us. He wants to guide us. Now, look at this next verse right here. In, in, in verse 1, it says uh, that there's promises. He said, let us therefore fear. You know what fear means? Loving God. Fear is loving God. Desiring to be with God. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So the, book, the writer of Hebrews is, is letting you know that there are people that come short of these promises. I, I, I will willingly admit there's many times in my life when I've come short of some of God's promises. When, when there was peace available for me, but I didn't have it. Because like it says in Isaiah 26, 3, that he'll keep those in perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon him. And I've let my mind go. And then my peace went. And it wasn't until the Lord, you know, woke me up that I realized, okay, I, I've missed that one. I've, I've cut myself off from that promise. Now watch what happens here in verse 2. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So see, they heard the word of God, but they restricted its effect because they didn't believe. How many times in our life have we heard the word of God, but we've, we, even though the word of God is not bound, we binded it because of our unbelief. We restricted its effectiveness in our lives. We, we, we restricted its reach in us because we were not surrendered and we did not operate in faith. And, and that's exactly what happened there. Catch that. This is, the, this is a major point in this message. I want you to catch that. That, that faith, faith was not mixed with the word. You know that you can memorize the word all you want. You know that the devil quotes the word of God. You know, you talk to the word of faith people. It's a, oh, yeah, just quote the word, quote the word, quote the word. What do you think the devil quotes? Amen. The same thing. You have to mix it with faith. Faith is believing it. Amen. Faith is, is, is receiving it. It is appropriating it in our lives. You can quote it all day long, but do you receive it and appropriate it into your life? That's how you mix faith with the word. And it won't become what God intended it to become until it's mixed with faith. It's right there in verse number two. It's right there in verse number two. 
It will not accomplish what God desires it to accomplish in you. Now, you, you, just like those people in Nazareth, you can be one of those. You, you, you can have Jesus come to your hometown. You know that Jesus could come to your house and have the ability to change everything in your life. But if you operate in unbelief, there's nothing that he'll do. That's what happened to Nazareth. And, and, and so it comes down to, will you believe him? Will you believe him? That's what it comes down to. Will you believe him? Now turn with me, if you will, just a few chapters over to verse number, chapter number 11. I, I quoted this verse, but there's a, another scripture in here that I want to get to. Hallelujah. In, in verse number one, now we're talking about what faith is, because if, if we're going to receive the word and mix it with faith, we've got to know what faith is. I quoted it earlier, but here it is right here. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for in verse one. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If there's one thing that I believe that the devil's doing in our generation right now, it is, it is destroying hope. It is getting people to the point where they believe that things are going to continue the way that they are. You, you may not recognize it as hopelessness. But hopelessness is whenever you just accept it as a reality and there's no change in it. Well, I've been dealing with this issue all my life. Well, glory to God, that's a greater testimony. Because I believe God can do great things in your life. Hope is whenever you believe and expect God to do a great and mighty miracle in your life. Hope is what the devil seeks to destroy in your life because it is part of faith. Hope is whenever you believe. You know what? Could God save someone like me? Even though he knows my past, even though he knows what I did, even though he knows where I've been and he knows what I've done, God would save someone like me. That's what, that's what hope does. Hope gets you to the point where you receive his promise, where faith begins to come alive, and you believe that if God could save sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or somebody way back when, then God could also save me. He could deliver me. Has God ever healed somebody? God could heal me. Has God ever set somebody free? He could set me free. Has God ever saved someone? Has God forgiven someone of their sin? Has God set someone? Has God opened the eyes of the blind? Has God taken someone out? out of dark and brought him into the marvelous light of the kingdom of his dear son has God done these things for someone else would he also do it for me yes because the bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established and that God is no respecter of persons if he'll do it for someone else he'll do it for you too you have to have faith and believe that God will that he, he will do what he said he would do. Allow hope to begin to rise and faith will awaken. Hope says, hey, God said that. I'm going to grab that. He, if, if he can do it, I saw him do it for sister so-and-so. I saw him, I saw him, you know, baptize brother so-and-so in the Holy Ghost. I know if he can do it for them. I know he'll do it for me. I know he will. 
I know that if God, you know, He saved that marriage, He restored that life, He healed that body, He set that person, and I know if He'll do it for them, He'll do it for me. That's how hope begins to arise, and that's how faith comes alive. And that's what God's looking for in our life. Now, it says here that, that, that faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? What, what are you hoping for? Because a lot of times people hope for things that God never promised. Right? But what are you hoping for? If you want to get real with God, answer that question. Because what's your hope? And, 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 and I'll be honest with you. I, believe, I said that for a reason. Because I believe that the devil is destroying hope. I believe people today are walking around like mindless robots. Just accepting reality that they're walking in, not expecting things to get better. Yeah, I might have a little, you know, better clap session here and a better shouting session there, but no real change. And I'm telling you that nothing will change until hope arises. You see, that was one of the things that whenever Jesus came somewhere, hope would arise. The guy in Mark chapter 4 that was filled with the demons in the Gadarenes, when he saw Jesus, hope arose. I mean, he, he, he was cutting himself. No chains, could def- no chains could hold him down. He was abusing himself, abusing everybody else. He was there in the graveyard. But when he saw Jesus, he went and, and knelt down at the feet of Jesus. He worshiped Jesus. Even when he wasn't in his right mind, hope dawned. And when hope dawned, faith rose. And God set him free. And what I'm telling you is if God would do that for that guy, he loves you just as much. Don't tell me he doesn't love you as much as he loved that guy. And don't tell me that God changed. So if God don't change and God don't love you any less, what's the problem? The problem is the enemy has sown doubt and he's sown discord and he's sown hopelessness in our lives. And we, as the people of God, have to get back to allowing God to say what he needs to say, mean what he says, and believe him. Let the word of God be the authority in your life. Let the word of God go before you. Let the word of God show you the truth and the reality. Because you know what? I can say, ministers can say all kinds of things. You get an evangelist, there's no telling what you're going to hear. You get somebody that, you know, claims to be of God, there's no telling what you're going to hear. Here's the authority. If somebody says something that's not in this, disregard it. You know, I'm holding up the Bible because the Bible is the authority. There is no, you know, whenever it comes to the things of faith, everything has to line up with the Word of God. It has to line up with the Word of God. Now, the part I wanted to get to was about Rahab. Moving down to verse number 30, same chapter. Verse number 30 is the part I want to get to. Oh, Rahab. Y'all know who she was. Everybody knew who Rahab was. She had a reputation. It wasn't good either. You know, sometimes I was, t- I was telling everybody the other night about uh, Salvation Army, whenever uh, General Booth, whenever they would start new, new uh, organizations in new towns, he would have them go out. Now, you know, they didn't start out with just, you know, handing out crackers and stuff. They started out, it was a gospel thing. It was a gospel move. And he told them to go out 
and get the worst person they could find saved. Why? Because it started a testimony. Because if God can do that for that person, praise the Lord, I know he can do something for me. You know, and you know, that's what he's, and that's what he was talking about. And with Rahab, it's kind of the same way. Rahab was, was she had a, a past. She had a reputation. People knew who she was, and it wasn't a good thing. Now watch this. It says in verse number 30, by faith, how many of y'all know that's the substance of things hoped for? The walls of Jericho fell down. When? When? After they were compassed about seven days. Hold on. Before we get to Rahab, the walls of Jericho came down, but they didn't come down at the snap of a finger. They didn't come down at a wish or a want. The walls of Jericho came down after men and women obeyed. After they did what God said to do, the walls came down. They, They could have marched around the walls of Jericho six times and the walls would probably still be there today. They could have marched around one time and the walls might still be there today. They could have done any number of things and the walls might still be there. But they obeyed God. They mixed, they mixed faith and obedience. They did what God said to do. They did what God said to do. They allowed faith to become not just a, 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 an empty, vain word in their mind or out of their mouth, but they actually put legs to the faith and they believed what God said. God said, if you do this, the walls will come down. They believed God and they went and they marched around that place for seven days and the walls came down. Well, we've been out here for six days and these things are still up. Are you sure this is the right thing to do? Are you sure this is how it's supposed to go? You know, sometimes faith, you have to have patience and perseverance to see the miracle. It's just how it is sometimes. But you have to believe, you have to camp out on what God said. Now let's come to Rahab. Rahab lived there. Rahab lived in Jericho. She was a citizen of Jericho. Right? Look what it says here in verse 31. It says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now that's just a summation of the story. But I want you to hear this. Rahab, Rahab believed God. She heard about God and she believed God. Whenever the spies came out into the land, whenever the spies came over there, you know what happened? Everybody else in Jericho died except for her, and you know who else? Her family. Her and her family. Her and her family. What happened was she believed God, and she hoped in God. And and then those spies told her, hey, listen, whenever we come, let down a scarlet cord, and we will pass you by. Kind of mirroring kind of mirroring the blood over the doorpost that they just experienced in the Passover. Let down that scarlet cord past your window over your door, and and we'll pass you by. We'll go to everybody else except for you. Well, whenever the walls came down, guess what? She either had faith or didn't. On that day, she had to trust God or she had to trust self. 
And she hoped in God. And God delivered her and her name's in the Bible because of her great faith. She's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. She was a harlot. She went from being a harlot to the Hall of Fame. Because she trusted Jesus. She trusted the Spirit of God. She trusted what God was doing. She went from a harlot to the Hall of Fame, not because she tried hard, not because she knew what nobody else knew, but because she believed what nobody else believed. And if you're going to experience the same promises of God in your life, you're going to have to believe what others may not believe. You're going to have to latch on to God's word and believe that it's for you cast down those imaginations from the devil, renounce and rebuke every ungodly thought. When he comes and tells you that it's not for you, you've got to rebuke and renounce those thoughts in the name of Jesus, and you've got to accept the word of God as he he wrote it to you, as he sent it to you, as he gave it to you, and you've got to latch onto that thing with your faith. And then put your legs to it. Believe what God said. She actually had to put down that scarlet cord. And you know what? He saves her whole family. Can I tell you this? God loves to save families. A Philippian jailer found out about that. What must I do to be saved? Right? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved in your house. Oh, man, that guy right there, he believed God and God saved him. And he said, I'll save you in your house. Wow, what a promise. Well, what if it took a few years? Maybe it did. What if it took a few months? Maybe it did. Maybe he had some stragglers. But there was a promise. There was a promise. Went out. And that guy brought brought uh, Paul in there and, and, and ministered to him. And then he got baptized and his whole family got baptized and everybody's life was changed and everybody began to live for God. And God did great things in that town. What God can't do for us if we'll just simply take him at his word and begin to mix faith with his word. Watch what God won't do in our lives. God, God's calling you to a place of hope. I'm not telling you to hope in me. Don't hope in my message. Don't hope in this church. Don't, don't hope in any, anything that's natural. Anything that's temporal, don't hope in it. Hope in what's eternal. God's eternal. The word of God is eternal. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before his word does. Hope in what God said. Let hope begin to arise. Amen? Amen.